I was not probably, you know, I did pretty well, but I wasn't a standout student. I was nobody, I don't think anybody, any of my professors would have looked at Ron and said, wow, there's a, there's a rock star in the making. I was never that guy. But that's what led me to my nuclear year when I said, enough is enough. I said, it is time for me not to live a life that society tells me I should live. And that's what I was living. Everything was the boxes I was checking was what society was telling me should be a good life. And I realized those weren't my boxes. Welcome to the Forging Metal Podcast with your blacksmiths, Tara O'Brien and Ron Duran Jr. Come inside and grab your hammer. The fire is hot and ready. It's time to harden up. Let's get to work. The forge is now open. Well, we want to welcome you to our second, actually, Fireside Reflection. Check out our first one, uh, solo podcast, or I don't know if solo is the right word, Ron, but when there's two of us. Yeah, I don't know. I keep thinking it should be a dual cast. I don't know. Dual cast? All right. Dual cast. It's our new word. We're we're coining that. There we go. It's our dialogue cast, not to take away from any of the incredible podcasts that we have with guests that come in and bring their stories and their knowledge, many of them authors and a lot of them centered in the world of neuroscience. Um, Not taking away from any of those, we'll still air those every Wednesday, but this is a new version of Forging Metal podcast. And we're calling it Fireside Reflections, where it's just the two of us and uh, sometimes kind of digging in a little bit on who we are and what some of our our thought processes are with these topics, but also things going on in the world and and eventually also bringing in some some ideas, topics, thoughts, and questions from our guests or not our guests but our followers. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And and you know, I, I, I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to commit to it. You can expect to see these every two weeks on, on Mondays. So our regular podcast will release on Wednesday with our guests. And then Fireside Reflections, expect those every other week on a Monday. And so, again, consider it a bonus episode. You are not, we're certainly, we, we've got a great lineup. I'm so excited. You guys don't know what's going on behind the scenes right now, but I'm so excited for the guests that we're lining up and even the ones we have in production right now. You're going you're gonna to love it. So stick with us for that. But also, we just felt like, you know, I actually got a, a email from uh, somebody. Yeah, I, you did. Yeah. Somebody I, I used to go to high school with. And, and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I won't use her full name, but I'll, Linda, if you're listening, <laughs> here, here you go. So Linda had sent me a message and said, wow, you guys are pretty fascinating people. And when do we get to know more about you? And so here you go, Linda. We're going to do that. As we kick off these fireside reflections, we figured the best way to do that is to say, hey, how about we give you a little background on us? How do we get here? What are our philosophies on maybe leadership and life? And then we'll, we'll certainly move into some other topics, but I think that is where we're going to start these fireside reflections in 2021. Right. And for those of you that are just kind of catching up and tuning in for the first time, this is, this is all in line with Forging Metal, which is focused around mental toughness, resilience, and grit. You can learn more at our website, forgingmetalpodcast.com. 
And we kind of have a three-part series on our mission and our backgrounds, as you'll get to learn in these Fireside Reflections, really have brought us both kind of to this this focal point of doing hard things and and being coming mentally tough and what does that mean and so our mission as you can see on our website forgingmetalpodcast.com we're we're really trying to advance the discussion on what mental toughness is what does resilience why do we need it i think this year or this past year in particular has really brought a highlight to that and then what is grit And how does it really evolve us to become the best people that we possibly can, whether it's our personal performance, our work performance, our parenting performance. The key is how do we live a more fulfilled life and and become better people? So that's the first part of our mission. Yeah. You know, if you listen to the first podcast, you know, to sum that up, why should we do hard things? So I think that really, that's, that's point number one. I think if we go to point number two, this is something that's near and dear to both Tara and I. And it was funny that as we started talking about a podcast, it wasn't like I led Tara here or she led me here. We we both had this idea that we wanted strong female leaders to be part of this discussion. You know, a lot of people out there say, yeah, female leadership's important, but they don't do anything about it. And we are very purposely, don't hold us to this, but we are trying our darndest to every, if you've noticed, every other show, it's man, woman, man, woman. And so we're trying to divide this up 50-50. So send us your strong female leaders. Uh, We were always looking for great guests um, to fill that. So that would be point number two in the mission. The third one is we both work in academia. We both work at the University of Colorado. And so the young leaders, you know, I always use the tagline leading to a better future. And, and, and one way we can make an impact on the future, if we want a better future, we need to start developing our young leaders. And, and I, I, I just hesitate to use an age. Let You know, you could be a young leader at 60, all right? It doesn't matter really where you're at. The developing leaders out there, that's who, you know, we, we certainly want that to be part of our mission and, and part of our messaging. So to reiterate, we're going to talk about, you know, mental toughness, resilience, and grit. That's point number one. Point number two, an equal position at the table for our strong female leaders. And point number three is leading to a better future. So as Tara said, that is all on our website. But I think it's important that we we want to make sure that you guys are on board with hopefully what we're trying to do here. And today, what we're trying to do here is learn a little bit about you, Ron. I want to, you've got a fascinating background, and I think our listeners and myself would love to learn more. I know a bit, but what got you to this point in time, like right here today on this podcast and why you have the journey that you've gone on to learn about yourself, but also to coach others into why do hard things. It's so much easier to not do hard things and to kind of live You know, not everybody even thinks it's the status quo. Some people think it's just a happier life if I do take the easy route. How did you get to where you are? Because that's a that's a big difference from the early part of your career to where you are now. How'd you get here? Yeah, thank you, Tara. It's it's interesting. Number one, it's a little interesting to to turn the mic on, maybe around on me. But (laughs) I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way. But but some people say they'll look at my background and the things that I've done and they'll go, "Holy crap, Ron." 
what a fascinating life. And, and I have to be honest with you, and, and maybe some of you can relate. None of it, as I was doing it, it was just, it, it wasn't, it was kind of not a big deal. And then once you start kind of piling up all the, all the things you've done, you, you kind of look back and you go, wow, it is kind of, you know, when you look at it, you go, it's kind of a cool thing. And so in some sense, I kind of feel like Forrest Gump. A lot of times I was in the right place at the right time. And, and I just, some, some opportunity presented itself. I, I would give myself credit for when the opportunities came, I was ready to seize them. Uh, I always say, I like to use the phrase from Seneca. And it's been stolen by a lot of people. But Seneca, is, from what we can tell, is the original author of this. But luck is one preparation meets opportunity. And I always say we never know what those opportunities are. But what you can do today is you can prepare for whatever that unknown you know, opportunity is that, that's going to come. And so that uh, I was always ready to do that. And I would also, I would also say I had the courage to, to step into some things that were scary. And I think, you know, if you want to get to the end of your life with, dare I say, no regrets, because I don't know, is that possible? Can we actually go through life with no regrets? But I think that that should be our kind of what we're shooting for. And so if you want to do that, I think you need to step into that fear. And when you see an opportunity that you don't let that fear um, get in the way of, of trying it. And, and I'll be honest, if you know me, anybody that knows me for a long time knows I've failed miserably. <laughs> I've failed a lot of times. And so I've stepped into those opportunities and they don't always turn out well, but I, I think that would, I would say I have no regrets over that. So how did I get here? I get this question from my students a, a fair amount because it is a little different. 18 years as an engineer and I wasn't good at public speaking. I went to grad school. I was not, I was not probably, you know, I did pretty well, but I wasn't a standout student. I was nobody, I don't think anybody, any of my professors would have looked at Ron and said, wow, there's a, there's a rock star in the making. I was never that guy. <laughs> and so. Well, wait, let me ask you about public speaking. So you say you're not good at public speaking, which I, I'm sure you had a lot of that in grad school. Did you ever see yourself hosting a podcast? Like, no, well, that, that, that's funny that you say that, Terry, because that's kind of where I'm going with this. Number or teaching one, in yeah, front of classrooms. I, I was going to say, never thought I would do a podcast. And even when we stepped into this to decide to do a podcast, I said, "Holy crap, I am so unqualified for this." And you know, this was only three months ago. So I would say, no, didn't think I'd ever be doing this, and also never thought I'd be standing in front of a you know roughly a hundred students per semester. You know, and, and basically that is my craft. That's what I do is I, as I talk in front of, of, of groups, you know, my students. And so I still remember my first lecture that I gave and how nervous I was. And even two or three semesters in the first lecture of the semester, I would get the butterflies and, and where am I going with this? I think it's an important message. You know, I just listened to a, a a podcast. I I think you guys know I'm devouring podcasts in 2020 and and now in 2021. I love the Rich Roll podcast. If you haven't listened to it, wonderful podcast. He was talking to a former Navy SEAL, Rich Devinney. So I was listening to that podcast and Rich Devinney is coming out with a new book called Attributes. And one of the things that he talked about, and it's essentially, I think it's 25 attributes that that he's identified as things that will, dare I say, make you successful in life. And But he said, when you're young, sometimes you don't know what your attributes are yet because you haven't been out there enough to get kind of evaluated and tested. And, and so sometimes those, those attributes that you have, these strengths that you have, lie dormant. And so 
I'm not a big fan of this idea of spending a lot of energy on weaknesses. Uh, you know, there, there's research to back that up. But I think what's where I'm going with this is maybe my attribute for speaking was not, it hadn't been earthed yet. And, oh, and so okay. I think it's come out where not only if nobody's ever can confuse me for somebody that's that's really eloquent and, and well-spoken. I am who I am and I'm okay with that, but I've become much better at this. And why? Because I was committed to doing it because I knew that if I wanted to get my message out as a professor and as a leadership coach, performance coach, I needed to learn to speak better. And this is something I teach all of my leadership students. It is a incredible tool if you can speak well. So I knew that was important to me. I've become this person that actually loves it. I love the podcast. I love speaking in front of my students. I love, I've gone out and, you know, spoken in front of hundreds of people. That's a, that's a little different ball game, but, but I still love that. I love it. It's almost like a game time situation for me. It brings me back to my sports, you know, environment when I was younger, where I, I get to, you know, perform. And really when you're speaking, I think it, it becomes a, a performance. So, one thing you'll learn about me is I'm really long-winded. So that's my long-winded answer to how did I get here? You know, I grew up as an athlete and I still think, and maybe this is just my my easy way of, of maybe I'm playing a little bit of a victim here, but I feel like if I would have had the right coaching, I easily, maybe not easily, but I think I could have had a shot at playing professional baseball. And one of the things that, that always got in my way was the mental side. And I struggled with paralysis by analysis. I overthought everything in a game time situation. So I became fascinated after this is, this is a, you know, this is an Alanis Morissette song. Isn't it ironic that I learned all these tools on how to deal with my mind and performance after I stopped playing? <laughs> I wish I knew now, or I wish I knew then what I know now about the mental side of the game. Cause I think I could have been a, such a different player. So I started studying mental toughness. I started uh, studying the mental game, and uh, that's where I, I started going down this path. And, and then we'll probably talk about how you know doing hard things started to creep into that equation. But that's how I started down this this world of learning about psychology and learning about neuroscience. And now I teach a class called Neuro Leadership that combines neuroscience with leadership. And and I just geek out on it, and I love talking about how the brain works. So that is kind of a little bit, uh, again, long-winded answer of how I got here. Never expected in a million years I'd be here. Maybe that's a good lesson as well. You never know where the paths might lead in your life, and there's no way you can predict that. And I say just go down that road and see what you find. That's kind of how it happened with me stepping into teaching and then coaching. And is that why? Do you think that's why you, you've taken on coaching entrepreneurs and students and leaders in general? Do you think it's because of what you just said, where your background, you wish you had a coach that came along and kind of helped you along the way? What's your, what's your philosophy? I mean, I, I've worked with you in coaching. I know you've been coaching for years, but I don't know why. Why do you do it? That's a great question. I think that a lot of coaches would probably have this answer. I mean, you start off, it certainly was, this was true for me. You start off trying to solve your own problems. You know, the ancient philosophers, especially the, the Stoic philosophers would say, you know, you look for the salve for your wounds. And I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with the mental game. I struggled under pressure. You can see all of those are areas that I like to research and, and be an expert in now. And so that was a salve for me. 
And so now, I mean, you start there. You start there where you go, I want to be better. I want to perform better. And then you say, after you've studied for a long time, and I've read hundreds of books at this point on these topics, you start to say, wait, wait a minute. I've Not only have I figured it out for myself, and I've operationalized it for myself, so I can actually make, you know, this can be, you know, something I can do over and over again with good results, but, but also I can take this to other people. And so I think one of the big switches for me was I was a selfish yeah, <clears throat> young man. I don't think in a mean way. I just kind of put my head down and did my own thing, and I didn't really worry about other people. And I've really switched into somebody. I mean, my core purpose is to elevate others and really you know, give back and say, okay, I've got some wisdom. I've got some knowledge here because I've done a, some work in the trenches. Uh, so to speak, and I can bring this to other people. And so, so I think that's what drives me. And I'll tell you what, if you're that person that, that says, Hey Ron, I'm, I'm that selfish person that doesn't get you out, out of bed in the morning. Like when you get out of the bed in the morning and you say, I'm contributing to a better you know, world. I know that may sound a little hokey, but if you're doing the right thing in life, that should be what gets you out of bed in the morning. And it's, it's quite powerful. It's much more motivating than trying to go out and make your million for yourself. Go out there and, and, and try to you know help others. And for me personally, that's been huge. That it was such a fundamental shift in the way I think. I know a good majority of our listeners are actually in their late 30s, 40s, and early 50s. And though this podcast, I think, is great even all the way down to the teenage level and up into your 70s for sure. But that's our that's our main listener base is majority or late 30s and 40s. You got to talk about your nuclear year, right? Because I know you're a huge fan of ritual and that comes up and his book, you know, is about rejecting middle age, which I think is brilliant. And I tell us about what happened in your late forties, because you haven't always been exactly where you are right now. What happened to you in that nuclear year? And, and that wasn't that long ago. And how has it kind of shaped the last couple of years of your life? Because it's pretty fascinating. Oh, gosh. Let's start with, we don't talk about age on this podcast, uh, Tara. <laughs> age is just a number. Oops. Yeah. So we'll start with that. But yeah, the nuclear, I, you know, I coined this and I laugh. Is there ever anything original anymore? There's probably somebody out there that probably wrote a book about the nuclear. But I did come up with this on my own. And, and what it was is it was roughly four years ago when... I had all the boxes checked, and I had my bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. I was working as a mechanical engineer well into a six-figure salary. The company was in the top five when I worked there for the best places to work in the country. Wow. Right up there with Google. We were usually competing with Google for for the top spot, and I think they did pull off uh, a top spot designation at least once. So we were right up there. So this is a great place to work. I'm getting paid well. I'm doing what I'm trained to do. I had a three-bedroom house, had a, you know, roughly almost a $40,000 pickup. So I had the expensive vehicle, had all those things that, that society would tell me is successful. I also had a, dare I say, a beautiful fiance. I had it all, you know, I had the dog, I had an airplane, had it all. As, as you do. <laughs> and, and, and I still have my airplane, but I, I remember feeling this nagging, you know, this nagging thought of, is this it? And you've heard some of our other guests talk about this. Is this it? Is this what I'm going to do for the next 20 or 30 years? And then, then just call it good. And, and then I, you know, 
wrinkle up and, and die from old age, you know? It, it just sounds so depressing to me to say, is this it? And I, I remember thinking one day, I go, I could, I usually went for a walk at lunchtime to get away from my computer. And I remember thinking, if I got hit by a bus, and I, I know this is going to sound dramatic, but if I were to get hit by a bus, how much would it matter? You know, yeah, my close friends, my family would be upset. But as far as the company went, they would have somebody else in my chair in so quickly. And, and it would, you know, it wouldn't be a big deal. I was just a cog in the machine. They would just put another cog in there and, and off we go. And it just kind of dawned on me that I'm not making the impact on the world that I want to. And this is not to take away from anybody out there that's an engineer. There's great ways to be an engineer and make an impact. I wasn't doing it. It wasn't my thing. So that's when it started where I said, okay, I need to change. I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. And I need to make a change. But I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what to do. And it took a little while. But that's what led me to my nuclear year when I said, enough is enough. I said, it is time for me not to live a life the society tells me I should live. And that's what I was living. Everything was the boxes I was checking was what society was telling me should be a good life. And I realized those weren't my boxes. That was, that was such a fundamental thing for me to, to finally understand. And by the way, it'll sneak up on you. You may not even realize. You may have this nagging feeling like I did that you're unfulfilled and not know why. Well, see if those boxes are truly your boxes that you're checking. And so I said, I'm going to, and this was painful, I'm going to blow it all up. I'm starting over, and I blew it all up. I broke off my engagement. All of this was intentional or just kind this, of happened? Uh, I would you say, say 95% intentional. Okay. Um, All right. The job situation was was maybe the 5% that wasn't intentional. And I'll talk about that. But so I blew it up and I said, you know, the, it was tough, but I'd tell my fiance, I go, I'm, I'm not, my heart's not in it. Uh, I wasn't there with her and, and there's no reflection on her. It was just, it just wasn't working. And I was trying to force it. That was a square peg in a round hole. It just wasn't working. So I broke that off. I was looking for a new job. And then I heard there's going to be layoffs. I said, hey, why don't I, you know, pull back on my job search and see if they'll just lay me off and then I'll get a big severance package. <laughs> that turned out to be, uh, that turned out to work out just fine. <laughs> I, I got a nice check as I went out the door and they had no idea that I was, I was planning to leave anyway. So that, and I started, I started a, a franchise coaching business that went, you know, it flamed out. And I spent a, I'll just say it, I lost about $100,000 in that deal. So it was a painful, the, this, the nuclear year was painful. You know, breaking off an engagement is not easy. Trying to start a business that fails, not easy. I sold my house. I moved closer to work. I decluttered. I, I, I got rid of a lot of stuff, as I had to because I was going from a three-bedroom house to a one-bedroom apartment. And I became a full-time professor. And now, to become a full-time professor, I took roughly a 50% pay cut. And I remember mm -hmm. thinking to myself, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can live on less than I already am living on. I was making it well into a six-figure salary, and I was living paycheck to paycheck. I know that's, that's terrifying, right? Wow. That's crazy. And, and I said, wait a minute. This was the start of me to start to say, Let's challenge the thoughts that I have. Because my first thought was, there's no possible way. I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. And I said, well, what if I could? I said, what would that look like? And I started breaking it down. And sure enough, with some creativity, I figured out how to live on, on about 50% less. 
Did you become miserable with oh, that? Oh my gosh, I'm glad you asked that because you know I gave up uh, a lot of material things and salary, and I've never been happier. I've never been happier. My salary is rebounding as I as I build up some experience as a professor and and with my coaching, but I've never been happier. And so. Be careful. A lot of people think that that big salary is what's leading to your happiness. And, and I found that, you know, going into a different field that actually, when I teach and when I coach, it fills me up. Engineering never did that. I'll share a story with you to, to kind of emphasize this point. I teach undergrads and, and graduate level students, but I had an undergraduate class one year and last class of the semester and I'm doing my final lecture and, you know, it's, it's usually my rah-rah lecture of, you know, go out there and change the world. And one of my students, one of my best students, he sat in the front row and uh, I always really enjoyed his work in class. But he comes up to me at the end of the class after everybody had kind of shuffled out of the room and he comes up to me and he says, Ron, man, he goes, this class has been amazing. And then he said, do you mind if I bless you? And I, I looked at him like, I have no idea what that means, but it sure sounds touching. And I said, absolutely. Uh, and he knows, or at least I think he knows. I'm not a religious guy. And, and so I, I'm not sure where that came from, but he says, can I bless you? And I said, yeah. And, and he goes, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? And I said, sure, go ahead. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he rattles off about three or four minutes of, of this, all this stuff. And it wasn't, it sounded like it was rehearsed, but it was all relevant to, you know, I was, I was about to apply for a director position and he, he talked about that and, you know, you know, blessing me for that, you know, journey. And so it wasn't, it sounded like it was rehearsed, but it really wasn't. It was coming from his heart, I think. Wow. At least I'd like to think so. And I thought to myself after he left, and I've had other kind of experiences like this, I said, I could work for an, as an engineer for 50 years and not have somebody want to bless me. Now... <laughs> That is why I do what I do. I have a lot of stories of people saying I changed their life. And that is what gets me up in the morning. That's what fuels my fire. And it's why I like to teach. And it's why I like to coach. And and I think it's led to this podcast as well. And before we go, I, I definitely I have to ask you on a, a totally separate level of coaching and helping other people. It goes to more coaching and helping yourself. Because... And it's come up in previous podcasts before, you know, you're a pretty badass runner, biker, you're, you know, not just a marathon runner, you're an Ironman triathlete, but you weren't like, this is a new, this is new. And, and when you tell me your stories of, you know, five years ago, a 5k would have killed me. And today you're running hundred mile races. Tell how how did that come about and why and how do you push yourself? And, you know, I know there's a there's a race out there that you've mentioned, a 50-mile race that was kind of a turning point for you. Why? And and just give a little bit of background for anybody that doesn't know, too. Yeah, that's, that's not, you know, I, I sometimes, for some of us that, I think it was in the 90s, maybe, maybe the late 90s, there was a show called The Real World. And, oh, and yeah. I, always, I always say that. Oh, God. I always say <laughs> that brings that back I, memories. Yeah, it, I never watched it. I'm not a reality show guy, but I remember that being a big deal. But but I, I feel like I'm living my surreal world right now. And, and that really did start with my nuclear year. And, and that nuclear year started with two, the first, I had never done a stretch goal. 
And for those of you that, that don't know what a stretch goal is, basically what you would think it is. It's, it's setting a goal that actually scares you. It's so far out there that you're like, holy crap, I don't even know how to pull this off. So that would be how I describe a stretch goal. And, and so I had never done that in my life before. In 2017, I set two stretch goals for the first time in my life. And this is my, my I don't know, foolishness of my advice to you is do one stretch goal, don't do two. <laughs> I always bite off more than I can chew and then chew like hell. It's a habit I'm trying to break. But I did two stretch goals, and it about killed me. But one was read 100 books in in a year. Nice. And I remember I had been building up, you know, 12 books, 20 books, and I think I got to 40 books in a year. And I I was pretty proud because I'm I'm a slow reader. And I remember hearing of people that had read 100 books. and And I remember thinking this was another turning point. I said, what if I could do, what if I could read 100 books in a year? What would that, what would that do for me? What would that look like? And that, was, that opened up a door to me because it, I was thinking, I've done 40 and that about killed me. And I go, there's no way I could do 100. But as soon as I opened the door to what if, and then I said, then I started breaking it down. Like, okay, I got to read this many books in a, in, a, in a week. I can do other ways. I did audiobooks. So, if you want to call that cheating, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But, but again, I figured out a way. I would encourage all of you, if you look at a stretch goal and say, there's no way I can do that, back up and say, what if I could do that? And what would it look like if I could? So that was one. And then I also, that was one I, I couldn't run. I couldn't run a mile nonstop. And wow. I decided to, yeah, I decided to sign up for a half Ironman, which that's <laughs> Ironman triathlon. Seven wait, wait, wait. Before you were able to accomplish one full mile, you signed up for this? My first training run after I signed up, I went on a training run, and it's in my Garmin, you know, logs, so I can go back and look at it, it was 0.91 miles. And it wasn't so much that I couldn't do it physically, it was I gave up mentally. Mm. And that was my, that's my journey to, I got to get tough, and I got to train my mind and my body, but, but that's how it started. And so, yeah. Talk about a stretch goal. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, 70.3 miles and I can't even run a mile. You know, this is swimming in an ocean and, and biking and, and running for those of you that aren't familiar with triathlon. But so those were my two stretch goals. And I did both of those. Uh, I will say that I, I missed my 100 books by three days. <laughs> it was 368 days, not 365. Oh, but, but it was fine. I still so felt like I, I accomplished that. And that led me down this path. As I was training for that first half Ironman, I ran my first 5K. First 5K. And I tried to run 3.1 miles. For, for those of you that don't run, that's, that's how far a 5K is. My goal was to not stop for 3.1 miles. Did not pull it off. Oh. So that's, that's where I started. So 3.1 miles used to crush me. And, and this now, is how many years ago? This, that was before I, I, I towed the line at Leadville. That was about two years, a little over two and a half years from my first 5K to lining up for the Leadville 100 mile race was about a little over two and a half years. So it was, it was a quite a journey, but it was a journey of just blowing away limitations. I kept, you know, understanding that these limitations that were holding me back were just created in my mind. Mm. And once I started blowing those away, it's very empowering. And it just leads to, you know, once you find success, like in 2017, I found success with my stretch goals. And then I did it again and again and again. And I say to myself, I've done more in the last four years than I probably did in the previous, you know, 20. And that, I say that without hesitation. And so 
this is how we break through. This is how we become the best version of ourselves is number one is to start uh, questioning these limitations that you put on yourself. And I used to do it. I used to think I can't read a hundred books. I can't do, and by the way, I went on to do a full Ironman, which is a 140.6. I've run 50 miles a couple times. So you start blowing away those, those limitations. The race that you're, you're speaking of was the Silver Rush 50-mile race, my first 50-miler at altitude in Leadville. And it, it's a tough race, and as, as you might expect. And up till that point, I think I was a grumpy, I was, I was kind of a grumpy Ironman, grumpy runner. What do you mean a grumpy runner? Well, in the middle of races, I, I would, you know, if I go into an aid station, I wasn't like I was mean, but I was just like, I, all through the race in my head, I was like, why am I doing this? This is this is ridiculous, and this hurts, and it's painful, and just had this mental chatter that, that made me, it aggravated me that I was doing something completely optional that I didn't need to do. I wasn't winning any money or, or really any awards. You get a medal, but, but beyond that, I mean, it, I just kept thinking to myself, why am I doing this? Why put myself through this? So I was kind of grumpy, and it really changed in that race. And and in that race, it was a tough race, and there's a 14-hour cutoff for that race. And for those of you that don't know anything about ultra running, I mean, you you could probably kind of guess what that means. To make sure that people aren't running all day long, you know, they have to have some kind of race cutoffs. And so basically they say, if you're not done by 14 hours, you don't get a finisher medal and, and you don't, you're not considered a finisher. That just kind of, you won't have a record of that race. Even if you come in one minute late, it doesn't count. Wow. And so, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm running this and I knew as I made the turn at 25 miles, and I started coming back and knew at that point that it was going to be tight, that I didn't know if I had the, enough in me to finish in 14 hours. I had that in, in my mind. Every time I came into an aid station, it was, I don't have time to waste. I got to get the things I need and get moving. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And so I had some low points in that race. I hallucinated in that race. It was <laughs> it was rough. And and I kept going, man, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? And, and I in my mind, I said, you know what? Who cares if it's 14 hours and five minutes? I still finished 50 miles. Everybody should be proud of that. It doesn't matter if I make it in 14 hours. Well, that was my chimp brain, the very primitive part of my brain, trying to get me to quit. Not only was it trying to get me to quit, it was trying to get me to go slower. Saying, let up. Let's let's not have this pain anymore. And it doesn't matter when you finish this. And and that's it can be a seductive voice in your head. And so I, I had this argument with my chimp for probably the last 10 miles as I was coming in. Because I, you know, I, I wanted to finish in 14 hours, but the chimp was saying, no, it's not important. So Long story short, I finished at 13 hours and 55 minutes, which if you do the math, the room for error there is incredibly small. But I remember as as the Silver Rush 50, as you come into the finish line, you have to cross probably within about 100 yards of the actual finish line. And then you got to wind around for about another half a mile before you're done. And I came across that ridge and I looked down at the finish line 100 yards away and I I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to go down that hill and be done. And I heard my friends, my training partners cheering for me and the, you know, the announcer announcing my name. And that was a pretty cool thing. And as I wound, you know, down the mountain, that, that last half mile, and, and I came into the finish again, I think there was only two or three people that finished behind me. In ultra running, we call it DFL, 
dead fucking last. <laughs> you, you don't want to be DFL. And so I, w- I was kind of happy I wasn't DFL, but I was close. I was real close to being the, the last one. But I came in, I finished, and I was, so there was two things that I was really, I was proud of the fact that I didn't give up. Even though I had that chatter in my head of just letting up, it's no big deal. I kept pushing and I ended up pulling it off. But I'll also say I was, I was a little boy that always wanted, I always wanted dad to say, I'm proud of you. And I don't want to get into that too much in this podcast. Maybe that'll be another podcast. But I, I, my dad was very demanding. And so I always have this mentality of I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prove my self-worth, number one. I want people to like me. And also, I want people that, that I respect to be proud of me. And I'm not going to use uh, this person's name on the podcast, but somebody cried at the finish line. And if that doesn't say that they're proud of you, I don't know what does. And so after that race, what's, what's the point of all this? Number one, I had the grit to make it to the finish line before the time. But I also, after I reflected on that race, I told my best friend, I said, I don't have anything left to prove. I just did it in that mm-hmm. race. And, and somebody was proud of me. And I also proved that, that I was enough. And I think those two things and now I don't run. I'm not a grumpy runner anymore. I'm very happy. When I ran Leadville 100 in 2019, I, all my crew said, you were so happy and excited every time we saw you. And, and I never was like that when I was a younger or, or a, a more inexperienced runner. Again, I was, I was pretty grumpy. So I've, I've come to peace, I think, inside. The demons have quieted. The bear has become quiet, if you know that, that movie reference. And I, I'm in a lot better place now and a happier place. Okay, quick last question, Ron. Something that not too many people would know about you or that they would maybe get wrong about you if they knew yeah. you. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. I feel like this is a pretty easy one. A lot of people that, that don't know me, when they, when they first meet me, some people will tell me later, they say, you seemed standoffish or conceited. That would be one thing that I think people get wrong about me. It's certainly not the case, although I can, I can walk a fine line of being cocky. But I would say that, that probably what people are picking up on is the fact that the other thing that people get wrong about me is I'm an introvert. And uh, you would never, you know, I tell my good friends that I'm an introvert and they said, oh, no, you're not. And if you listen to me on the podcast, you say, geez, Ron doesn't sound like an introvert. So I think that, you know, if you, if you look at, I, I'm, I'm pretty close to right in the middle on the Myers-Briggs type indicator, but I, I do score as an introvert. So I, I'm a little bit, you know, when I'm around people I don't know, I'm a little bit quiet. And that probably comes across as me being standoffish. Once you get to know me, though, you, you won't be able to get me to shut up as, as Tara knows. If I know you and I'm comfortable with you, I can talk forever, and people know that about me. So I think that's what—that's something that, that I think catches people off guard, that, that I'm a little bit introverted and quiet around people I don't know. Let me, let, before we wrap this up, Tara, let me spin it around and ask you a question. Okay. As most of you know, we, Tara and I started talking about doing this podcast, oh gosh, six months ago maybe, and we had a couple... You know, the, the kind of conversations you have over a coffee or a beer, you know, just kind of casual, hey, maybe maybe that'd be a good idea. And it, it really never took off at the beginning. I think it was percolating. And, and so anyway, long story short, we eventually got to the point where we came together and we said, okay, let's do this. And so I would ask you, Tara, what, what is it that, because you told me that you had thought about doing a podcast before, 
and you had had somebody ask you, or at least at least one person ask you to be to co-host a podcast, and you said no. And so, what was it that made you say yes to me? Sim, I, I think really we have a similar idea on about fifty different topics, right? And I think through those coffees and and many many beers, we learned that we, you know, when you are around someone that thinks like you, but takes it to the next level. I think that is so instrumental to being able to grow yourself. And even in this podcast, you know, we've talked about it. We do a lot of these podcasts and we, we talk to a lot of guests or bring on a lot of the guests that we do to help ourselves grow. I mean, yes, we are trying to bring messages to the masses. I mean, that's what a podcast is for. But, you know, even when I was a journalist, I would do interviews to learn from people to fix my own issues, to help myself grow. And I think in hearing your thought processes on a lot of the the topics that would come up, I would think, gosh, this is someone that elevates my way of thinking on this topic to a new level. So I'm learning and growing by working with you, for one, which is always a good thing, right? This, the average of the top five people you spend your time with, as I've said in a previous podcast, is very important. So there's that. But also, you work a lot harder than I do, Ron. So <laughs> taking advantage of that now. I mean, that is actually true. But no, I just think also the, your take on women in leadership. This is, a, this is a very, very, very important topic to me. And it's not really women in leadership. I don't, it's, the, those aren't the words for me. It's more equality in leadership. I think this is a huge thing in businesses. I think this is a huge thing in high schools, in colleges and universities that we are, are starting to pay some serious attention to. And I think there's a very, very wrong way to do it, which I will actually say 98% of the world is doing it the wrong way, in my opinion. And I felt like when I talked to you about it, I was like, ha there's the 2% that thinks about it the right way. And it's a man thinking about it. And so I think we are going to shake up that topic with a lot of the people we're bringing on and some of the future things that we're going to do together. Wow. And if you just like that, you know, that last, you know, three or four minutes of, of Tara talking, Wait till our next fireside reflections because we're gonna we're gonna let we're gonna we're gonna turn the mic around on Tara and I know she doesn't like to do this but you're gonna like this she doesn't like to do I have a hard time getting Tara to talk about herself but she's got an amazing background and you guys are gonna learn about that next time we do one of these so stay tuned for that and thanks for listening today I hope that my stories didn't bore you too much but we'll see you next week. And of course, join us next Wednesday for our regular Forging Metal podcast, where we actually have Dr. Marissa Porges coming on to talk about what what Ron and I were just talking about with equality and leadership. She is known for her work on gender and education and leadership and actually runs a school for girls out of Philadelphia. And we're going to really dig in on her leadership concepts and values. That'll be next Wednesday. Definitely rate this podcast. If you like it, give us a good rating. That's really helpful to get it out to more people. Also, follow us on social. You can find us on forgingmetalpodcast.com. And we look forward to seeing you back. Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell all your friends. If you didn't, let's just forget this happened and we'll try again next week. Until then... Join the revolution to 
Forge Metal and connect with us on social media. 